0: Stand by to receive our transmission. Where are you boys from in the world?
1: Alabama, sir.
0: I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to the Bama Geeks Podcast. We're four friends diving into our favorite pop culture topics with a dash of southern charm. We have the tools, we have the talent. It's Miller time. Whoa, this is heavy. Pizza dudes
2: dude's got 30 seconds. Wait, what? Crazy? You didn't say I was crazy. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. You want something done, you've got to do
0: it yourself. Be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes! So grab your biscuits and gravy, a glass of sweet tea, and enjoy the nerdy hospitality of Brock and Jessica Parker, Bo Bearden, and Kevin Gardner. This is the way. This is the way.
1: Thanks for being here. you for being Ghostbusters. Not everyone knows what you guys do and what it means to wear this uniform the way that you guys do and the charity work that you guys do and the way that you guys try to make the world a better place. It means so much to me. It means so much to my family. It means so much to the creators of Ghostbusters. And I never thought I'd be capable of picking up this film. And I thought about all of you as I was making it. I wanted to make a movie you would love. And I wanted to give you one more ride in Act one I always talk about um, seeing Return of the Jedi as a kid. It's a Star Wars film. <laughs> <laughs> and coming out of the theater, all I wanted to do was know it was like to get on a speeder bike and ride through the forest on Endor. Mm-hmm. This is a movie about the rest of us. The first two movies, they were about the guys. This one is about us. All of us who've always wanted to be Ghostbusters. Including me, by the way. We want to know what it was like to ride an Echo One. But I don't want to take it one step further. I want to know what it was like to hang out this side of Echo One, <laughs> fly around the corner with a proton pack in my head, and catch a ghost going 70 miles an hour. Yeah! yeah. 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 We all played with the toys. This is literally just like a movie of like what we did with the toys. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for everyone who made this film. This movie, sit through the credits, I know you will. Uh, you know what's in the <laughs> at the end. There's right? um, a thousand people who work on this film, they all love this movie. They all love Ghostbusters, as much as you guys. We uh, were all hiding these things in there. And uh, I hope you appreciate all the detailed work that went into it, whether it's this time or the next time you see it. More than anything, I just hope you love this film. Because it... it, it You'd never expect a 10-pole film to be the most personal journey I ever went through as a storyteller, but that's exactly what it was. So, from my family, your family, enjoy Ghostbusters Afterlife. Thank you.
0: And that is Jason Reitman talking to the fans at the worldwide premiere in New York City of Ghostbusters Afterlife. What a great speech that was. We hope you're doing well. You kind of got a taste now of what this episode is going to be about, and of course, as you've seen in all the descriptions, I'm not even going to play the sound. This is a spoiler review. We are going to absolutely talk about any and everything in the brand new Ghostbusters afterlife. I'm Brock Parker. With me, as always, three of the most important people in my life. It's Jessica. It's Kevin. And I promise I won't be a blubbering mess. It's Bo. <laughs> no, you will be a blubbering mess. In we sense, we sense. have all been a blubbering uh, mess. And, and to and make okay. this even more special, we uh, we're actually not recording this on our normal day. We would be recording this the Sunday before you hear it, but it's actually uh, a week earlier. It is Sunday, November twenty first, twenty twenty one. It is the seventy seventh birthday. Of one Egon Spangler, Harold Ramis.
3: Happy Happy birthday, Harold.
0: Happy birthday, Harold. We absolutely love and miss you. And we thought it only fitting to record the podcast this day because it is Harold's birthday. And it is the opening weekend of the movie we've been waiting 32 years for, Ghostbusters Afterlife. And we're just going to talk about it.
2: 32 years, guys. Wow
0: been a long time as we mentioned last episode jess and i both saw it originally in 1984 not together we didn't know each other existed (laughs) until 2016 um (laughs) but yeah i was eight years old seeing the original movie in the theater and that that is what hooked me it's my favorite film franchise of all time and uh i was eight jess you were uh
3: june of 84 um i would have just turned uh, seven seven yeah yeah i was born in 77 let's do the math here folks my goodness (laughs) (laughs) this movie came out in june of 84 so yes that does i'm correct right seven years old sure okay i know better
2: than (laughs) to talk about a woman's age so
0: (laughs) (laughs) at midlife we have no shame anymore So, uh, Kevin, but what about you guys? What was your first experience? Have we ever touched on that? What was your first experience of of Ghostbusters? I don't remember. I remember watching it when
2: I was a kid, but um, it didn't. I I know this is blasphemy. I'm probably the the, the least effective Ghostbusters fan here. It it didn't quite hit me like, you know, my other love of my life, Star Wars did. Um, But I do remember when I first saw it. I don't remember like all the details and whatnot because I was a kid, but I know uh, it, it 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 was one of those those '80s movies when I was a kid that really really affected me. And uh, yeah, I think like a lot of us that are
4: probably listening to this podcast, you know, it means a lot to me. Uh, for me, I'm trying to think. Probably when it bit me was around this. Uh, uh, of course, in June of '84, I would be a whole three years old. <laughs> <laughs> But for me, I think I got around like six, just five is six, just around the time RGB started playing Mm -hmm. on TV and they, you know, used to back in the day when a movie came out in theaters and and then after it came out on like to own on video, it take like years before it would show up on TV. Mm -hmm. And that's how I remember my exposure to the movie was like the ABC Sunday night movie. So there's a lot of things. In the movie that I didn't know existed, much like uh, lines about the sailor line about Stay Puft, because I didn't know that was in there. Because back then it was a different time, and a line like that wouldn't be on the Sunday night movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, that was like I said, that was my exposure to it—the uh, movie on TV and the real Ghostbusters. Like I said, and of course, I saw two. I was eight and eighty-nine, so mm-hmm. I got to see two in theaters. So, but that, like I said, that's my initial introduction to Ghostbusters is that way.
0: It kind of reminds me of. You know, some of the things you didn't know what happened in the movie as it's been edited out. I had a, a previous acquaintance in another another life. He um he recorded Frosty the Snowman for his kids on the mm-hmm. VHS tape and the tape cut off after Frosty melted. Oh, no! and so they went their entire childhood Whoa. not knowing that Frosty came back to life.
3: Man, talk about traumatized wow. Did he
0: do that on purpose? No, the tape ran out But that's oh the only, God. he taped it off TV and So that's the only way they That's the only ending to Frosty they knew And he used to tell the story He's yeah. like, when they were they were in their 20s or whatever They finally saw it not on the tape And they're like, wait, he came back to life? <laughs> 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 they saw Frosty the snowman after life, I guess exactly
1: oh man
4: (laughs) (laughs) wow
0: he said he felt so horrible but he didn't that was the only copy they ever kept and they only watched it during christmas so he's he never thought about it but then they grew up and like oh dad hello how how could you not think about that that's wow.
1: (laughs) wow it's
4: like like with ghostbusters like i said the whole the um the joke about uh, Walter Peck, where, you know, I growing up, I was always, you know, it was Wally Wick or some kind of rodent. Yep.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
4: that's that's what I knew that joke was until about, no, oh, probably like 10 or 11 when I saw it on HBO at a friend's house.
3: It's <laughs> funny. You can still catch the edited versions here and there, depending on what station is pulling it. When we were watching it just not too long ago, when it came on, I want to say, what uh, it came on FX, I think. FX didn't edit anything out. I think Freeform still does. And uh, BBC America. So it just depends on who you're watching it at.
0: We'll go ahead and tell you if you're if you are worried about anything in this movie since we are talking about edited versions uh, in the new Ghostbusters Afterlife movie. Perfectly safe to take the kids. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very mild. uh As far as
4: language. Yeah, language wise and one or two, I guess, what you would say, alluding to things, but like nothing, yeah, nothing. Yeah. You're gonna be like, I mean, oh my gosh,
2: yeah. I mean, the worst thing is, is jump scares.
4: There's there's yeah. a handful of jump scares yeah.
2: in it, and they and they will get you kids. And I mean, they're they, still they, getting they maybe got all, of, yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> so I said I took my six year old today, and like I said, there's one or two that got him, but he he took him like a champ. Also, I gave my heads up. I was like, hey, there's gonna be a scary part here. So there you go. So you're you much know. nicer
0: than I am when I take my kids. By by the time this airs, that <laughs> they would have already seen it. But when I take my kids in a few days, I'm not telling them anything.
3: Well, you, you I want to see their reactions. Well, okay. you've
0: got
4: like teens and preteens, or both of them teens now. Either one's way. about
0: to, or the, yeah. the, the the last ones about to be. Okay,
4: so you yeah, you got you're in that area, so it's good to mess with them then. Like I said. My oh. little boy, he's six, man. I, you know, that's some, you know, nightmare fuel is going to be sleep depravity fuel for me, I guess. You know, so
0: my son is very skittish. He is extremely skittish, and so I, I'm not telling him a thing. I want to see him jump because he, if, if the sound gets too loud in the theater, he jumps, and I'm like, okay.
1: <laughs>
0: and then he screams. You tell him, take a salt tablet, and walk it off. <laughs> be a man.
3: <laughs> well and, and while we're kind of on the subject of, of kids and stuff, it, it's you know, I've seen a lot of uh the kids coming to see the movie than the in the showings we have uh, we've been a part of. And prior to us uh, seeing it in the movie, we like I said, we were doing everything we can to avoid any type of spoilers or any, any giveaways prior to seeing the movie and that went along with a lot of the um late night T V interviews that were airing prior to seeing the movie. And one thing that was, I, I think in, this, in the uh, the Seth Meyers interview that came out with the guys, you know, this is one thing Seth was talking about, you know, him going to see the movie as a kid. And the fact that, you know, Dan Aykroyd said they were very mindful, even when they made the first movie, that they were trying to create a movie for everyone, you know, with for kids to be involved, for parents to bring their kids, for families to come see it. So they were very mindful of that when making the movie. And you see them continuing to talk about this in the interviews that they've been giving here recently that you know, especially Ernie. Ernie's talked about, you know, his experience is seeing the you know, where you've got not only, you know, maybe grandchildren, but great grandchildren of people who originally viewed the movie and to see yep. how this movie will bring families together. To uh, oh, have let's... the the fandoms and the costumes <laughs> and the love of the movie. So,
4: well, I think family's a good project because I'm on July. That's the main story of the movie on top of Ghostbusters. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a good family story.
3: Yeah. That's, that's was one of the heart of this, uh, of this film for Jason was, it was about family.
0: Yeah. Definitely being able to work side by side with his dad, Ivan Reitman, mm-hmm. who gave us the oh, first yeah. two movies and
3: yeah.
0: now has passed the torch to Jason and I. You know, tell you up front, I hope Jason gets involved more in the future with Ghostbusters because, man, he did a fantastic job.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, but before we start discussing the movie, uh, you probably, you know, who cares about critics? I don't. Yeah, we don't care about <laughs> critics. This movie is an absolute love letter, first and foremost, to Harold Ramis. Yep. 100%. And, and then second, a very close second, is a love letter to the fans of Ghostbusters. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. You know, we
2: and, and before we go any further, I do want to say that so far as love letters to fans and movies being made into them, this one did a much better job at it than um, a certain Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: yeah. The, yeah.
3: And this is coming uh, from our our biggest Star Wars fan of the bunch right here.
0: Biggest yeah. one I know.
4: Look at it like this. Think of it like this. They walked, so Ghostbusters Afterlife could run. So maybe you, you know, there's something to benefit. <laughs> oh. No, 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 no,
2: no. See, see, see. I'll, I'll, I will agree with that, except that this is what happens when you actually put a script together and don't just do your round robin
3: and actually work. Anyway, yeah,
2: get off on a tangent. But I'm just saying, this was phenomenal by comparison. This was very well thought out. Very well done. And the, the critics can suck it, man. It's, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, they did such a good job.
3: Yeah, you make a very interesting point there because how many years has this been discussed and talked about yeah. and people putting together, you know, a script, oh, a script's out there. And it took, you know, we. this is the moment that I don't think any of us ever thought would be possible. And then when we knew that Jason was going to take hold of this and the time that it took to actually put this together and and the three, you know, Ernie bill and dan have said this it was just the right time the script was right and we weren't going to do it until we felt that it was the right time to do it
0: well it was the right time it was the right director it was the right writers you know both jason reitman and gil keenan Mm -hmm. uh, they co-wrote this and who better than to touch a project like this than jason reitman yeah he was a great filmmaker in his own right Mm -hmm. and he has the lore and the legacy like nobody else going into Ghostbusters as far as, you know, second generation,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, Dan and and Harold, you know, came up with Ghostbusters and then got in there with Ivan and, and all. And from the get-go, Jason was there. Yep. You know, Jason has been around these guys his entire <laughs> life. And he, he has always said that he had a vision if he were to do a Ghostbusters film, he had a vision for a girl on a farm with a proton pack. Well, guess what you get in this movie? <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> and, and let's back up a second, Brock. If you could, for anybody that might be listening um, that doesn't know how Jason Reitman was involved in Ghostbusters franchise before he became a director, could you explain that a little bit?
0: Uh, there's a deleted scene that he's actually in in the first movie, and you actually see that in Ghostbusters Afterlife yep. when they're watching YouTube. It's very quick mm-hmm. of Jason, Ivan, and uh, Ivan's wife. Uh, it, it's it's like a split second on the YouTube video when you're watching Ghostbusters Afterlife. But that's that's Jason's first tie-in. And then, of course, in Ghostbusters 2, when Ernie uh, – you're using real names – when Winston <laughs> – and Ray go to the birthday party, and there's this kid that is he's credited as Brownstone Boy. My dad, <laughs> my
3: dad says you're full of crap. Yeah, my dad
0: says oh, you're right, full right. of crap. He,
2: he was he, he was the head yuppie larva.
0: Yeah,
3: that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Ungrateful yuppie larva.
0: Yeah, yes. <laughs> that was Jason Reitman. So Jason is in Ghostbusters too, but my dad says you're full of crap. So yeah, Jason is is. I mean, this is in his blood. This is his DNA as a filmmaker and as a you know, as a person who has been around it all his life. We'll point you to our friends at Yes Have Some podcast. As of this airing on Thanksgiving Day, they released about a half hour interview that they had mm-hmm. uh, while they were at the New York premiere with Jason. It's a fantastic interview. Yes. So make sure you go listen to that. Jason gives us some pretty good insight on Getting all the the old guys back together and the new guys, uh, the the new kids. Um, I am am not a kid person, especially when it comes to movies and stuff. I don't like movies that where where children are the main focus. That's just. Did you
2: not like the Goonies?
0: Uh, oh. I like the I like the Goonies when I you know when I was growing up. So yes. That, that was okay. different as an adult. What I mean is as an adult, I'm not crazy about movies that focus so heavily on kids. When they announced Ghostbusters Afterlife and they, you know, McKenna Grace and Finn Wolfhard and uh, Logan Kim and Celeste O'Connor, when they announced these guys, because I knew Jason was making it and I knew his lineage with it, it didn't it didn't faze me. I, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I don't, it's a weird hang up I have. And I'll just tell you off, off the bat, these kids in this movie are so good. Yeah. They picked mm-hmm. the perfect kids to do this. And yeah, it, you know, I love it. Absolutely love that the kids are the future of this franchise. And I hope all four of them continue on in some manner, you know, to, mm-hmm. to be a part of it. Uh, McKenna Grace as Phoebe. Oh Lord!
3: Wow! Isn't she wonderful? That young it lady. She's so good.
0: Wow! Uh, Logan Kim is podcast. You are going to if you haven't seen it yet, which you should be listening to this episode
1: <laughs> if yeah. you haven't. Um,
0: <laughs> Logan Kim is an absolute treasure. This was his first mm-hmm. big acting gig. Mm-hmm. This yeah. was his first movie. I
3: think it, what he had done commercials or I, something I think, prior to this only.
0: I think he's so funny. Yeah. Celeste O'Connor is charming as she can be, and Finn Wolfhard, you know, we all know him as as Mike from Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic. And it's what's really neat is you see each of the old Ghostbusters in each of the kids. Yep. You see Podcast is Ray, easily. <laughs> Celeste mm-hmm. is Winston. Mm-hmm. Finn is, is Trevor. Uh, it, yeah, well, yeah. Here, I'm, I'm, mixing, yeah, I'm, I'm mixing up the real names and the movie names. Okay. <laughs> movie names. Phoebe is Egon, naturally. Trevor is Peter, just a lot less creepy.
1: <laughs> now with <laughs> less Thorzine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now less <laughs>
0: <laughs> And then Lucky is Winston and Podcast is Ray. Mm-hmm. Those personalities fit those four kids. Yeah. And I, like I said, I, I hope these kids are the future. Uh, Of the Ghostbusters franchise, you know, Jason had mentioned that there's at the end of this movie, which we'll we'll elaborate on the end of this movie opens up so many possibilities for sequels. And there's got to be sequels Mm -hmm. because the the door is wide open for this universe. And I really hope they're involved in it in some point down the road. But the, the kids are fantastic. I, I had well, no, see, no issues with kids leading this movie.
4: Well, so here's the thing. Probably like one thing I know you, I, I got thinking about this earlier when I watched it again. One thing you, you know, usually with kids is, you know, you can't identify them. We're all older guys and that's not our generation. We can't identify with them. Right. But there are certain things they did with this movie that made it identifiable. Like, of course, they're in a, a out there, you know, old town type uh, city or town. Uh, that's one of the good things I want to say. It was really smart putting that there because it took the like, – of course, Trevor, we'll get into it as we get further. He's always looking for a, f- a phone signal. Well, that kind of took cell phones and fancy technology, at least of that aspect, out of it to give it that kind of, you know, mm-hmm. these old kids' feels. And the other thing, I think it makes it easier to connect with these kids. We were those kids when we were that age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, depending, you know Ghostbusters was popular when we were that age. They, you know.
2: yeah. Because you you always had that one kid that was I guess I was the one who would just like stay in the house and never get you know, didn't really get into a whole heck of a lot of trouble. You had the parent that would be like, "Oh man, I wish my kid would just go out and do what I did when I was a kid and yep. then just get in trouble." And then like you're watching the movie and she says that and like literally the next scene, <laughs> Phoebe's out like they're out ripping yeah. through the the town, you know, shooting off uh, you know proton stream, just tearing everything up. It's like okay, mm-hmm. uh, apparently she got the message.
3: <laughs> well, Jason has been quoted that we have ideas moving forward.
4: Well, I mean, as a recording right now, I would say what the worldwide gross is 60 million, so yeah. I'm assuming they're going to move forward <laughs> with the sequel.
0: Dude, and the, the 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 fan reviews on this thing I don't ever dive onto Rotten Tomatoes. I've been on that website maybe 3 times in my life, but I know that the Ghostbusters social media accounts, the official ones touted a 95% fan rating audience for score. this yeah, thing, audience score. Audience score. Which, you know, that tells you, you know, don't listen to the critics. Listen to all of us who have been more invested than some mm-hmm. whatever name blogger. Oh. Hey, con-
2: look, if you're if you're a movie goer, you should already know at this point. You don't you don't invest in critics. <laughs> you just I don't
0: know. You, how they you, I mean, if jobs. anything you, you
2: you I think I think a lot of what helped this film is word of mouth because anybody yeah. that's gone mm-hmm. to see it is talking about it. Like yeah. you have to go see this. This is Ghostbusters. And granted, everyone has their opinion on the 2016 Ghostbusters. You know, some people I've talked to were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. is this is this is going to be a sequel of that? Is it going to be, you know, is this has anything to do with it? The big thing that I've told folks has been, this is Ghostbusters that you remember. This mm-hmm. is the Ghostbusters that we grew up with. Yeah. And that gets that that has like gotten so many people out to see it. Like I had someone pop up on my social media that was like, is it because I rated it five out of five. I loved it. And they're like, wait, 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 wait! is it really that good? We were going to wait till it gets on streaming to watch it. But are you saying it's really that good? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really that good. The, the film is really that good. You need to go and watch it. And to my knowledge, they have.
0: Yeah. Get to the Of course. Like I said, if you're still listening to this, you're going to get spoiled. But just in case you like spoilers and still haven't seen the movie yet. Get to the theater and support this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 100% support yep. this movie. It is, it hits for, for me personally, it hit all the feels just right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know,
2: and I, I know, I know this is a new day and, and streaming is a thing now and, and, and studios take that into account, but a lot of this is riding on how well this does in the theater yeah so yes please get out and watch it
3: i was telling brock today that just another you know you have all these different groups that you're a part of on facebook that has you know what your interests are and i'm a, I'm kind of in a group with a couple of these 80s facebook pages and 80s nostalgia pages and i told him this morning that i've seen so many people posting you know outside of the ghostbusters groups you know of course we're talking about it and all of those but these groups that are not you know official Ghostbuster groups or whatever and they're telling people the same thing this you know I saw this movie as a kid I love Ghostbusters please you know if you have that love of Ghostbusters from the 80s you've got to go see this movie and so it's you know it's coming from people who are fans in the movie but you know not in the same level that some of us are involvement with with Ghostbuster groups and things like that that we do.
4: Yeah, that's like today. Like I said, I saw it today. Today is Sunday. I saw I picked the twelve thirty Sunday showing for me and my son to go to. I was like I didn't want to, you know, bother too many people. It was me and him. And when I reserved my seat, you know, I reserved it Saturday, Friday night, and there was like four other seats reserved. So I was like, ah, I won't be that bad. I get there today, and <laughs> it's a complete like outside of the you know the first two rows, which nobody wants to sit in anyway, yeah. unless they like neck problems. It was a packed theater. Like yeah. every every row was full. Except for the first two. So, I guess, you know, outside of the, the crick in the neck hey, rows, you know, it was a packed Hey, house. except for that, the when I saw it for the
2: first time with you guys, and we had that guy that was up in the front row, and he was, uh, he got to a certain point, he got so excited, he started narrating the movie. You remember
0: that?
3: I didn't catch that.
0: I didn't okay. Hear My hearing's yeah. bad anyway. Okay.
2: Yeah. Uh, but believe me, being it the first time I watched the movie, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> the guy was excited, but it yeah. was... Uh, uh, you you still do get mm. your crazy people that like to sit like really really close up there and like look straight <laughs> up in the air.
3: It's it's been funny <laughs> going to for us to go see it after that first time and and hear the reactions going on around us. I mean we know what's mm. going to happen. It's the first time that a lot of these people have seen it. So hearing those reactions where you're expecting to hear those reactions they're there and uh like brock said i feel so sorry for the guy that sat in front of us the first time yeah <laughs> the time we watched nope. this brock was so audible it was so cute
0: no it wasn't uh. cute i knew i was being a <laughs> jerk and i didn't mean to be but everything i but, was i was i don't get excited at a lot of things these days because no. now i'm old and curmudgeon <laughs> but that movie i was oh. uh, mm-hmm. both sat on my right just yep. sat on my left mm-hmm. We went. Oh. Th- we went Thursday to the four o'clock IMAX showing, and uh, we had another friend of ours, Lee, uh, mm-hmm. that was also in the row with us. The guy in front shot me a look when the movie was over. <laughs> like <laughs> you really could have toned it down, buddy. Yeah. You know, and I don't it- need to be like that because <laughs> here I, I'm sitting. in – I'm sitting. It. Whenever I see little kids coming to a theater, I cringe. <laughs> I because I'm not a person that likes talking during a movie. I cannot stand for people to talk. And here I am audibly reacting to everything in this movie because I'm (laughs) so excited
2: and I'm like I have become become the very thing that you hate exactly
0: (laughs) I I am the jerk and to that guy who probably doesn't have a clue who we are and probably will never hear this because our audience ain't that great As far as numbers, our no,
4: audience is great. The audience is fantastic, yeah, like, <laughs> but the, the
0: audience is not. I nice say? We don't have a massive audience right now. We've got a, we've, we get a lot of great downloads, but we don't have like, you know, we're, we're, we ain't Joe Rogan. Okay.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> I don't want to be Joe Rogan.
0: <laughs> I do because money. Um, <laughs> so yeah, our audience is great. We don't have a large, like a massive right. audience.
3: I know so he's it. probably
0: not going to hear this, but dude, I am so sorry from the <laughs> bottom of my heart. I am sorry because the kids that came into that movie to the first time that we saw it, the kids in that theater were great. Yeah. They were quiet. They yeah. were disciplined. I'm the idiot that's going, oh, oh, look, oh, oh, there it is. Pointing <laughs> yes. out Easter eggs on screen, <laughs> and, and but Brock,
2: you were the kid. I turned and into a was, kid. This, you did. This was your childhood. Boy, this was yeah. this was your thing.
0: I turned into it. I've not had a. I've not had any reactions. You know, even when, even when Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame and all that stuff, and I, I love the Marvel movies, but when those blockbusters were hitting, even you know, you know, the whole audience would clap. I would clap, but I didn't get audible. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't vocal about it. This yeah. one, I was vocal, yeah. and I tried to. I, I, I'm not going to draw on about <laughs> it. I, I tried to tone it down, but I was so flipping excited.
3: You just can't, yeah. but you can't help it. It's it's like you said, it's just that reaction. It's that love. It's that happiness, that joyfulness, the blissfulness you're experiencing, seeing these this things is? come on the screen that here it is. It's time I'm seeing this movie. I'm finally watching this movie.
0: Yeah, you're you're <laughs> getting a couple of Marvel movies a year, and we're like, okay, yeah, we had answered the Call in 2016, but as far as mm-hmm. this universe, there's mm-hmm. not been a Ghostbusters movie since 1989. Right. Yep. So. I apologize to that guy. I apologize to everybody uh, around me.
2: Well, and th- that was very similar to the guy that I mentioned, which I'm sure it was very similar. He, he just mm-hmm. seemed to be about our age. Yeah. And he just got really, really excited about the movie. And he just started like, right. just like he was sitting at home in front of his TV, just started talking. And I kind of, it. it I, I honestly thought you guys heard him because <laughs> it, didn't he, I didn't, didn't say a thing about it because it didn't phase me. I was like, I, it, the guy's excited. Did it's he funny. say
3: something about Baskin Robbins? Yes. Okay, I did hear oh, that. Okay, yeah, I yeah. did hear that part. I did hear something. Yeah, I remember say, that part too, I did yeah. say something mentioned the Baskin Robbins with Paul, so I knew where he was going with that. But anyway, yeah.
0: that was- well, poor Bo. I'm so, the- uh, um, go ahead, Bo. I'm sorry.
4: Oh, you're good. The people behind us, though, I think we did a good a good service to the people behind us. Our first viewing, as we pointed out at every Easter egg, we were all like, ah, <laughs> God,
0: God, "Yeah, we were pointing at we the screen." Pointing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we caught pretty much every. Uh, we caught the majority of the we Easter eggs though, on them. the first showing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Because after going back and seeing what it, I, we, I've watched a few videos where they're putting out Easter eggs. They didn't catch things that we caught, you know, but you know, like at, one, Rookies. Yeah, like at one point down in Egon's lab, there is the, uh, the hang tag, the maid, you know, maid, yep. please make up this room that Vankman had on his door at the beginning of the first Ghostbusters movie. He had that on his office door and it's hanging on Egon's cabinet down in his lab. And it's just it's real quick to see it, and I'm like, oh, it's made. You know, I'm not elbowing Bo. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> what got
2: me about that was, you know, the the way that Ray said it. One day they just came back, and you know, Egon had like packed everything up, and had just left. You know, and then just like left them there. That means he would have had to have deliberately packed that up.
1: Yeah, (laughs)
2: he took the made hang tag.
0: (laughs) It was probably in a box that that Peter had tossed aside and he just started grabbing stuff because I mean, the firehouse is is no longer the HQ in this movie. Right. Well, and until well, later, but
4: I say, well, we're doing <laughs> all this. Do you want to just go ahead and let's go ahead and roll into? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it.
3: We <laughs> knew we were going to be all over the place, yeah. just because our our hearts, our minds are just full of, of all this that we've taken yeah.
0: in. Bo, you've seen it three times this weekend. Kevin, As how many recording times,
4: this, yes, three times. I saw it just a few hours ago. Yes,
0: <laughs> how many times have you seen it, Kevin? Once. Once. Jess and I have seen it four times this weekend. Thank you, AMC A List. <laughs> yep. But we we got there Thursday afternoon. The theater opened. We got there at two. The movie wasn't until four, Mm -hmm. but AMC had those ecto popcorn buckets. Mm -hmm. You know, we discussed it last episode. We were going to get those no matter what. No matter what. So we go shaking the door at two o'clock. It's locked. (laughs) And I'm like, oh no, you know, we're going to have to fight with people because this was a hot commodity. Well, the manager, we were walking away. The manager, uh, Kevin is showing his right now with the lights on. Wish you guys could see it. <laughs> we we started walking away. The manager came to the door and he goes, he goes, hey, guys, you know, he goes, just want to let you know, we're going to open at 2.30. So about 30, you know, about 30 minutes. Actually, no, we got there at 1.30.
3: Yeah. Yeah, we got there at 1.30. It wasn't yeah, 2, it was 1.30. You yeah. weren't playing
0: around. No. we. I'm like, maybe they're open. Mm-hmm. We knew the first movie didn't start till 3. Uh, and it was some other movie. I don't even know what. But he came out and said, Hey, come back at two thirty. We're gonna open the doors and you guys can come in and get your popcorn buckets and stuff.
3: He said, Uh we don't yeah, we don't open till two thirty. I was like, That's cool. We were just coming by because uh so we're coming back to the movie at four. But we were just curious about the Ectro popcorn buckets and y'all do have those. He's like, Oh yeah I was like, Okay. I was like, well, we want to come and get those. He's like, sure, just be back here at 2.30. We'll get you taken care of.
0: And we walked- We closed. Yeah. <laughs> we- yeah. <laughs> pretty much, we closed. We
3: closed. <laughs>
0: but he was nice enough to tell us. Mm-hmm. So, we got back to the theater about 2.20.
1: Yeah.
0: And sat out there and sat out there. And then finally, right at 2.30, we started walking up. He's unlocking the doors. <laughs> and he goes, hey, good to see you guys again. Come on <laughs> up. <laughs> and so, we went and we got our two ecto popcorn buckets. Yep. And, uh... Um, Bro-
2: Brock, I was totally wondering when you were going to slip in the A-list plug there. I mean, dude, I, uh, A- A- AMC, if you listen to this broadcast at all or this uh, podcast, you really need to sponsor us because, man,
0: <laughs> you uh, guys. I'll tell you
2: what, e- e- even not even in the podcast, I hear all the time where Brock is just, him <laughs> and Jessica both rave over A-list. Okay?
4: I signed up for it for this movie. I used yeah. it for the, like like mm-hmm. I said, Brock and Jessica were kind enough to get uh, get my first viewings taken care of, but I used it, uh, my first reservation with it for my viewing today. And it's awesome. Like, it's definitely mm-hmm. the way to go. I'm going to. Definitely use it. I'm definitely gonna see the movie again, probably during the week before Thanksgiving, and a couple more times after that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, AMC. Yeah. We. There is no amount of love that I can throw AMC A list right now that would be small. It's I love AMC A list because you know you get your three movies a week, and we took care of four of those this weekend. (laughs) Um, You know, as it rolled into the to the next week, so. But yeah, uh, getting into the movie. So what we want to do with our Ghostbusters review is if you're listening to this episode, you've seen the movie. We don't want to break down scene by scene, but we want to touch on the highlights that really meant the most to us from this movie. What are some of the key things that we've all picked up? So, you know, at the beginning, I was kind of nudging Bo in in the beginning because it, it didn't hit me all at once that that was Egon. At the very beginning of the movie where he's driving the truck and running to the house. And so that was my first, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe they're actually including a physical Egon in this movie. You know, because Harold Ramis died back in 2014. But it was really special seeing Egon. And what did he do? Did the terror dog murder him? Did he sacrifice himself? What are your guys' takes on it?
3: I'm under the belief that he did sacrifice himself to keep from being possessed.
4: I kind of agree with that. I have two different ones. Like I said, of course, I think him being a 70 year old man running from his life and then <laughs> the entire emotional anxiety attack of everything going wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. his trap he had set up, he had this elaborate plan and it went to crap. Right. And then that's what I think may have caused it. Cause Phoebe says it was a heart attack. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then again, like, I know what you guys are talking about. I agree. also the self-sacrifice is a great idea because later on in the movie, uh, Groberson makes the comment about science. Science is giving yourself the plague to find the cure. Right. Well, maybe, you know, maybe he did sacrifice himself to become either a ghost or something after afterlife. The time the the is called afterlife. Right. You know, maybe he assumed that just to, you know, finally find his cure or, you know, take care of things if he couldn't do it as a person. And to keep from being possessed.
0: Yeah. Don't know if he if he had a heart attack just from the dog being there or if he or if he uh took that PKE taser. We don't know. Maybe that'll get answered eventually, but on the other hand, it's not really that important because we believe that could very mm-hmm. well have been the self sacrifice, which is a very egon thing to do. You know, despite later in the movie people like Ray mm-hmm. saying that Egon could rot in hell.
3: And the, and him just uh, just putting off the vibe to you know his his uh the people in the town that he was just nuts he would just gone crazy a lot of people got that impression that he just went off the rails
2: mm. uh, and I believe that to an extent he nurtured that as well Um, you know with with the town really thinking that he had gone nuts he he just kind of mm-hmm. perpetuated that because that meant that he could be left alone yeah mm-hmm. yeah and to 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 protect the world from you know the apocalypse.
3: Yeah,
0: but it it was really hard, you know, w- with being such a family connection in this movie for me, it was uh, I it, it was really hard to see how much his family, especially you know Callie, his daughter, uh, just didn't like him. Mm-hmm. He didn't have it, didn't want anything to do with him. You know, they just, you know, they moved from wherever they were, they get evicted, and they wind up in Somerville. Janine is there, you know. Janine shows up and. You know, basically, she's been Egon's caretaker, at least as far as finances and and business deals. Mm-hmm. You know, so he could concentrate. D- did Did Janine have an idea what Egon was doing? Because she's taking care of all of his affairs, money managing stuff like that. You know, he's he's got no money. Mm-hmm. You know, at at this point, we're we're learning he doesn't have money. Like I said, Janine's been taking care of it, but how how does she fit into this we only see her for a brief moment mm-hmm. at the farmhouse
3: they they had that special connection you know that was established in you know the 84 movie i think if he had any if he wanted to confide in somebody about what he was doing i think that she was the perfect confidant for him but we don't know that that's just one of those the uh, hidden mysteries that we find ourselves uh, with this movie. And we were told, <laughs> we have been told that this movie is, is, is a mystery. It, it's going to unravel like a mystery to us. So I, I just think that he had a hit. I feel like deep down he would have been able to confide in somebody like Janine.
2: Yeah. And, and, and further on that, who really ever knows exactly what Egon's working on? I mean, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, yeah. I know I know Ray probably tried his darndest to keep up with it when they were together. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the guy's always working on something like way out there. So I wouldn't have thought any of them, anybody but Egon would know what he was working on, especially with him being out there by himself.
3: Yeah.
0: Right. But, you know, I mean, you you see the cloud at the beginning of the movie and the the proton stream coming out. You know, Egon's got this. he's, He's trying to take care of business. You know, the townspeople have to see this thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the the kids who work at Spinner's, you know, they take Trevor out there. Uh, Lucky is there, and it, it, they constantly go to the mountain. Mm-hmm. So, the, they have to be able to see these things. This mountain has to be within view of, of the town. We know it's in view of Egon's farmhouse because right. there's one shot that you see what- – you see the farmhouse and you see it's, the mountain in the background.
4: Oh, well, it's in view of the town, like in the shot of the, out, the, out, the outside of Walmart, you can see the um,
0: yeah, that's the, right, the
4: terror dog that comes out of the mountain that comes down and swoops into the mm-hmm. store. So it's at least in view of somewhat of the town.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
4: Would be the strangest thing you've seen outside of a Walmart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I, I'm really curious where Janine has been during this time. And, you know, at, at the end of the movie, and we'll, we'll touch on this in a second, but Janine is back in New York
4: Yeah at, at that point, York, yes. is,
0: is she been living in New York taking care of Egon's affairs from afar or has she been in Oklahoma from time to time just checking in on him
3: I I seem to think that there's, she's had means to go back and forth between both cities and I, I think that kind of ties into where we're going to hit towards the end part, the, the third final act-ish uh, after credits scene on this but that's kind of where i'll go with that at that point when we get there
0: that conversation that happens where she's trying to piece together what happened to the guys the original guys has she been in new york because she's Mm -hmm. got questions Mm -hmm. we'll get to it
2: well i mean we we, look guys we we know that in the movie it was stated she was extremely disgruntled with her job you know they weren't paying (laughs) her much of anything so i mean what's what's to say that after you know since this kind of leans a little more on Ghostbusters One and not Ghostbusters Two, you know, obviously the events of Ghostbusters Two happened, but you know, what's to say after everything, it got to the point where they were only getting so many calls. She just left.
3: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the whole the, and and you know, and at the point, this maybe we're gonna realize everybody went on some way with their life at some point in in this group of, of guys that were together at one point in time that were a team. Everybody went their separate ways.
0: Yeah. And that's very very well documented that for one of these conversations. But yeah, the anyway, Janine's got a hand in this somehow. She knows what Egon's up to to what degree we don't know exactly what she knows. She just we just know that she's been taking care of Egon's finances and um she finally gets to meet Callie and and the rest of the family mm-hmm. and just and it, just based on some some dates and everything that that we've noticed in the movie Janine and the fact that Janine's just now meeting Callie Janine's not the mother yeah who's Callie's mother
3: right who's and-
0: Phoebe's dad we don't know and I'm hoping that will be answered down the line because this thing is wide open for interpretation and sequels.
2: And, I, yeah, I wanted to add, I really hope that isn't answered in a behind-the-scenes thing or, like, a commentary or something. I really hope that that gets saved for a future
4: sequel. Yeah. yeah. Something fleshed out, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, and, and by timelines that we learn throughout the movie that uh, and discussions we've had and that's been amongst out there that Callie had to be born prior to the events of 84.
0: Yeah. 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 And that's, you know, like I said, that was based on the dates we saw. You know, when she's down at Egon's lab later on. Mm-hmm. So, but we, you know, the kids don't know who Egon is. They don't even know his name.
4: No. Yeah. Well, they they mention later in the movie like the events of, of the original movie happened twenty plus years before they were born.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the kids, yeah, at this point, Phoebe and Trevor don't know who the grandfather is. Callie isn't apparently never told them because Phoebe well, flat out says, "Why didn't you ever tell me my grandfather was Egon Spangler? Mm-hmm. He was a smart. He was smart like me. Yeah. He's not nuts." He, yeah. knew, he knew what he was doing. So, you know, it goes back to everybody in the town thought he was crazy. I mean, even one of the ladies at Spinner's that brought the food out to Callie, you know, hey, you know, how long are you here for? Well, we were moved into the farmhouse. Oh, the dirt farmer? Oh, yeah, you knew my dad? Uh, no, we didn't. Nobody knew your <laughs> dad. So, yeah, Egon definitely kept, him, kept to himself. And, you know, when Callie's later in the in the hardware store, you know, the— the hardware store owner calls him the dirt farmer. Wow, dirt farmer's got a family. So why does everybody keep saying that?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, Well, he well wants- you know,
2: he didn't want to draw the ire or the attention of the authorities. On this stuff because they you know obviously you know, like the FBI and you know Homeland Security <laughs> or whatever <laughs> the EP they would never they would never yeah Walter, he, go,
3: Walter Peck Jr would show up again <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean they would never understand that I mean could you yeah. imagine trying to explain that it would be no different than trying to explain the whole thing in the first Ghostbusters movie yeah so you know he he it actually was to his advantage for everyone to 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 ask. Questions about the mystery and not about what he was doing.
0: Yeah, well, getting back kind of into kind of a little bit of character development as we move on because we're going to be talking about these characters and
4: well, like all, all of them. That's a the good thing about it. Like even uh, like even though you know each kid's supposed to be a different representation of the ghost of one of, one of the Ghostbusters, they all kind of have different personalities of each one. You know, you mm-hmm. said, at the the same time, you know, podcast has got that Ray childlike quality. He also has that bankman like confidence yeah. about himself. All of them are kind of Neapolitan. They're they're they've yeah, got yeah. a blending of all the Ghostbusters. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's definitely uh, he's definitely got some charm and confidence for sure.
4: And like, even though like with Phoebe, like Phoebe, even though she's very, she is she is the the successor of Egon. She does some of her her with her jokes and how she kind of jokes around. She's got a little bit of the the playfulness to her that, you know, Egon even though even he was kind of this just a straight scientist. He did a few funny things, but Phoebe's a little bit more more of that, you
3: know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Phoebe's got the 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 dad jokes that yeah. we all we all knew Kevin would love oh my gosh, from the get-go. I, mm-hmm. Man. That that
3: very that, dry sense of humor in a sense. But it's hilarious though. It's it's just hilarious. Yeah, really well, brings-
0: and, you, and you really get the first hint of that, you know, that they're driving in the car to uh, is when they first went to Spinners, and they're sitting at Spinners, and Callie turns around and says, <laughs> "You know, you need to make some friends here." And she's like, "Make them out of what?"
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and of course, then she pops off the joke about the atoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why can't you trust Adams? Because they make up everything. Yeah. Yeah. And we knew Kevin I, would would fall in yeah. love with
4: those. I love her. And like I said I know we're skipping around, but like I said still the the best dad joke, but I, I still say it's dad joke, but also very Harold Ramis, national lampoon, second city style, but the hamster and cigarette joke, I mean
0: Yeah, where they're going I, out they they're lowering themselves into the to the mine of the Gozer Temple of Shandor Mining Company. Mm-hmm. Tell the joke.
4: Uh, what, what does a cigarette and a hamster have in common? They're both completely harmless. to you stick one in your mouth and light it on fire.
3: <laughs> I mean, and I know, what a what a odd sense of humor uh, that that is. But it's oh, it's amazing. It's a
4: great joke, and I kind of wish they joke. would have saved that for towards the end when she's telling jokes to Gozer. Like that would I, I mean the ones that, the Gozer jokes are good, but that one that one is that one's like to me is my favorite
3: of all of them. Yeah,
0: and she does her joke when she's she's meeting up with uh, with Gruberson. Mm-hmm. In the, in, oh, the yeah. uh, in the classroom, you know, as as the other kids are watching Cujo, she's looking at all his seismic maps and everything. And,
1: uh,
0: uh, you know, he's like, I'm trying to triangulate where these are coming from. And she's like, you know, do you have this third thing, third piece of equipment? And he's like, yeah, I know what a triangle is. She goes, OK, I just want to. I didn't know if you were being obtuse. Wink. Know, and then wink, gives wink. that wink. little wink, <laughs> <laughs> which that ties that joke ties in. And I don't know if it was intentional, but you know, Bob Gunton, who plays quote unquote the Ghost Farmer. That's what he's credited as. But he's the stand in for Egon. Um, Bob Gunton was also the warden in the Shawshank Redemption, which is my number one all time favorite movie. And Phoebe asked Gruberson, you know, or says, I just want to make sure you weren't being obtuse. And in the Shawshank Redemption, Andy, and Tim Robbins, <laughs> You know, looks at Ward Norton, Bob Gunton, says, how can you be so obtuse? Mm-hmm. So, I'd like to think that's a connection. That's what <laughs> I took away from it. But I'm a Shawshank savant.
3: Yeah. So. You, you would like to see your, your two loves combining themselves in some way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I and, just. Love by it.
0: the way, in the scene, there is a Zaxby's cup on Grupesten's table. There's <laughs> really? the I didn't Yeah, I yeah. did
3: not notice that.
0: Next time you see it, look down in the lower left-hand corner, and it's, it's just the tip top. You see the Zaxby's logo on the cup.
3: This character, Phoebe, just has my heart completely. She is so wonderful, and I love her the way she uses you know humor to try to break the ice with people, or uh, you know, to get in to get in with him because she's, she's a little awkward. She's a, she's a little quirky, a little awkward little girl, but she's where she's trying to use that sense of humor, you know, to, to reach out to people.
0: There's a lot of really neat little Easter eggs scattered throughout, mm-hmm. you know, this scene. Like I said, there's a Zaxby's cup there. There's on the, the board, the dry race board. There's a one, four, three JMR, which, you know, kids today, or at least a three years ago, you know, one, four, three is a, Way to say I love you because you know the four four letters in love and three letters I, you guys know. Yeah. But JMR is that Josephine Reitman? Was that was that Jason's way of saying I love you to his daughter in an Easter egg on mm-hmm. Gruberson's board? Yeah. I don't know her middle initial, but that's what makes sense. It's not Jason's middle initial. <laughs> so, um, another Easter egg as they are walking by the theater. You've got Cannibal Girls playing. Uh, as podcast and and Phoebe are walking past, and that's that's Ivan's first film, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, and it was also what
3: that was on the theater marquee and Ghostbusters too.
0: So that's a that's a tie-in.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: What else sticks out to you guys around this first act where we're getting to know uh, getting to know the characters?
4: Mostly, like I guess you know, even though they're a very not really say dysfunctional family, but they are not the the perfect picket fits family. They they all care about each other. Trevor cares about uh, Trevor and Phoebe. Mm-hmm. They both care about their mom. Their mom cares about them, even though it's not perfect. They ex which I mean, what family is perfect,
3: right? You know? Exactly. So that's
4: that's kind of one of the big things. Like I say, of course, that goes back. The main theme of this movie is family, and, yeah. and 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 as it and as it progresses on, it's not even just about the family you know you're related to, but it's the one you make along the way.
3: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: Yeah, it's just like the original four guys coming together. All these yeah. characters, all these kids are coming together.
2: Th- this kind of ties into a later act, but just the feeling of absence and abandonment mm-hmm. um, that you you get from his family. Family it kind of echoes it. You know, when we actually get introduced to Ray, whenever yeah. she, you know, whenever uh, Phoebe calls Ray, and he's mm-hmm. like, you know. He, he 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 delivers the line, you know. He could he could rot in hell, and uh, you, you just you, you hear that emotion in his voice. It's like, man. I mean, your you first thought is, oh man. Uh, you know, he he really screwed up. He's he's he he's abandoned a whole bunch of different people. But it it makes the the ending even better when everything comes together and and you know everyone is able to come to terms with it and realize that he did it for a good reason.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Well, those and at, of course, at the beginning of the movie, all these reasons are totally unknown. You mm-hmm. know, why, why did this man abandon his family? Why did he abandon his friends? And, you know, and you're talking about with Callie, you know, that evidently, you know, Phoebe and Trevor's father is out of the picture. So her having that closeness with her kids means, you know, that much to her, their father abandoned them or is no longer in the picture she went through the same thing growing up. So I think that that's one reason, you know, she is what she is with her kids.
0: Yeah. And you don't really realize what Egon was doing until we get to the part where Ray explains it, why Egon left, why he did what he did. But you see that maybe the spirit of Egon is Mm -hmm. really trying to connect yeah, he he's really trying to yeah. show that that he's trying to show Phoebe his purpose because, you know, he he knocks the chessboard off her windowsill. The yeah. PKE meter lights up whenever she, whenever he's around. And he leads her to his mission. He sees in her, you know, even though he's never met her, mm-hmm. he sees in her that, you know, okay, this girl knows this is she, she can pick up where I left off, so she mm-hmm. you know she gets led down to his lab, she fixes the proton pack
1: <laughs>
0: you know with it with the guidance of Egon Spirit as he's pointing the light everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I love lamp,
3: yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> he guides her along with the with the lamps, yeah, yeah right yeah, and mm-hmm.
0: he's 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 pointing her on that path and you know, and she's realizing you know hey he's he's not nuts like everybody. Says he is, and Mm -hmm. he cares, and he's he's just he's up to something. She hasn't quite figured it out yet, but he's up to something. Yeah, you know, and of course that revelation to her comes later when the sheriff has got him in jail, and yeah, who you gonna call? Well, she's got the phone number based off the old Ghostbusters commercials, so Mm -hmm. she calls, and there's Ray in his in his bookstore, and she talks to Ray, and Ray gives her the. The whole backstory of, you know, why the business shuttered, why the business failed. Mm-hmm. And Egon to them, to to Peter and Winston and Ray are, you know, Egon is the one who turned the back, took all the equipment, took the Ecto, went to Oklahoma and said bye.
3: We had always figured or we had always thought in the beginning before this movie was released that you know Egon and and Ray were whatever was going on they were in this together they they were working on this together that was kind of our assumption you know cuz the, the closeness that the two of them had so like you said when we get to that point where where Ray is telling Phoebe what's going on you're like whoa everybody everybody had a falling out everybody went their separate ways
0: Ray talked a lot about how Egon even freaked him out <laughs> and you know he got a little yeah. creepy for me, and so Egon took off, and you know everybody thought they abandoned them, but Egon was you know at the same time piecing together, you know as as you see in in the mine shaft, uh, in in around Gozer's temple down there, you know all these years are written around the the top of the of the mine there, signifying different events in history. Egon has figured this out and he's figured out that you know shandor's you know all the selenium came from this one mine in Oklahoma apparently mm-hmm. so egon went down there to see what's going on discovers this temple realizes uh-oh you know so that's why he yeah. he stays in Oklahoma takes off and stays stays down there
4: that is one thing Afterlife does really good. Uh, like it, ex- it expands on Shandor and his attentions and all that, which I'm hoping I'm, I realize this. I hope it's not obvious, but you know, the town, I this might be just me and my head, cannon, but the town is called Somerville. Well, what was Gozer? A Sumerian god. I don't know if that's Ooh. me. You yeah. know. Okay. That's something, that's kind of yeah, an idea. I didn't I catch that.
0: That's actually a really good point. I, yeah, I, I didn't clue into that.
4: I don't Interesting. know I, that. And like I said, I, I, I've made a remark other places. I really think that Gozer I mean Evo was doing this To getting Gozer's Good Gracious Which wound up Not being Didn't pay out for him He tried Yeah (laughs) You
0: know And the kids Are down in the mine And Evo His body Is down in the mine Yes Evo was
2: really Torn on the subject Yeah Uh
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh man which
4: can we I want to I noticed this on my third view. Evo Evo's costume, his like suit is really cool. He has these sashes and mm-hmm. it has like the terror dogs on them and I want to say he has like the head of Gozer in the middle. Like it's a really cool I wanna see some close up shots of that. Oh, okay. I think
2: he, he, he was expecting the next time he woke up it would be standing facing Gozer. Which yeah, it was. is exactly well, what yeah. it was. Well, yeah, yeah. So he he wanted to be in his his Sunday best,
4: <laughs> which was J.K. Simmons. But I'm not going to lie; at first, it looked like Billy Joel when, especially he was still in the glass.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> hey so, man, only, only
0: the good die young. Okay, he was old. <laughs> He's bad. <laughs> <laughs> we
4: didn't cross the streams.
0: Oh my and speaking yeah. of I mean that that's how we discover yeah that's how we discover the earthquakes what they are yes. Yes. and it's because egon you know it's not simply safe It's spengler safe he has set up he has set up a a, a really really awesome security system down there there's mm-hmm. that big There's that big well of, I call it a well of souls, and I've heard that somewhere, and I don't remember where I got that from. It pretty much
2: is a well of souls. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And they keep bubbling up and bubbling up because, you know, you see the years along the wall. It was originally naturally 2020 on there, but they had to digitally change the last zero to a one. So it was 2021, Mm -hmm. the date on the on the wall around the the temple. And everything keeps welling up. And that's when you learn that there is a PKE meter down inside that pit and when it starts detecting that the souls are coming up it triggers mm-hmm. four different proton packs proton streams and they all cross the stream they all shoot down at each other and they meet in the middle and you know one big proton stream pushes them all back down and that's what's keeping the town safe and that's that's what shaking and, that's what shaking the yeah, area
3: that's what's causing the earthquakes you know, yeah
0: back on evo though did you
2: notice that i mean when the first time that happened he started to wake up
4: yeah, I and,
2: and it's like so. If that's the case, then you know they 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 went over the whole thing about the miners sacrificing themselves and doing the, the whole. Well, what do they call it? The madness that they the were jump off the curse. Yeah, the chandelier <laughs> curse. That's what it is. Does that mean that Evo sacrificed his soul into that pit? So like every time it comes to well up, it starts to wake him up.
4: Mm. That, that could be a good, cho- that is a good choice. I mean, I don't know if he either died of causes cause he was what se- they, he'd been dead for 75 years, but I'm mm-hmm. trying to think, I can't remember how he, but was he dying. is not
2: jerky. He is like, he's fresh. So it's kind of like he's bonded to the soul pit or something.
0: Yeah. I, I, I want some more explanation on a, why he's there. B, why does he reanimate? Why, what bond does he have? Mm hmm. You know, did he? Like I said, did he sacrifice his soul for that? So that's what's keeping him there.
4: I mean, you know, it's 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 there to be there. I mean, you know, you think you would think if he was really going to be somewhere, it would have been, you know, New York. But this is all adding on to previous. You know,
2: stuff. We, we may not get any more explanation on that because I would I would wager if we have another movie after this, it probably won't explore this anymore.
3: Yeah.
4: yeah but- this this is closing the chapter on Gozer, at yeah. least in that form right. of the, the world building.
3: Right.
0: Yeah. And we'll we'll touch on that in, a, in just a second.
3: I don't know. You know, he just he he's devoted himself to this following to following Gozer. So, you know, naturally, it's just to me, it seems like he just wants to be he's burying himself, you know, in the temple that he created, mm-hmm. you know, to the God that he worshipped. So uh, it's, it's just of, the fact
2: that, his, that he did not decompose. Right. That's just like, yeah. that, that's just what is the eerie. The, that's what's got me.
3: Yeah. It well,
2: had got, to have been some sort of like, he, like I said, it's like he bonded himself to the chamber.
4: you got to remember there's times for suspension of disbelief. I mean, this is a <laughs> franchise that has a hundred foot marshmallow, man. <laughs> as a, as a, and it a also has card. little bitty marshmallow. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, like I said, you know, move over baby Grogu, the mini Stay Puffs are here to rule the world. That's
3: right.
0: Yeah. Those things are adorable. I mean, Jess, Jess giggles and coos when she sees them all the time.
4: See just,
2: now, I want a shirt and, and with Baby Grogu, and then and then the the mini state like he's eating one of the mini state
4: puffs or something. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I'm sure somebody on Ripped or T Fury will have that for you in no time. Oh, probably,
0: yeah, yeah. That, that was a really entertaining scene when when uh, the Walmart event happened. And Gruberson's in there, and Vins Clortho zooms down from the mountain, busts in there, and all of a sudden, all the mini puffs come I, to life and cause just utter chaos and grim and like activities
3: i remember when i when they first uh when the when it burst out of the package there and it started walking to it i was like oh it sounds like a baby <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was
3: making baby sounds and little kid laughters and stuff they were just here i go again it's all about the little babies for mm-hmm. me so
4: and as you say it was the appearance of the vins terror dog which goes into practical effects thank goodness they're still alive and well because that terror dog looked beautiful
0: yeah and speaking of practical effects and just touching back on evo when when he is standing professing his love for gozer she rips him into that's a practical effect
4: oh it was a real a real like i guess a body double thing
0: or whatever it was they, they built they built a dummy from behind of jk simmons they had it on a harness Jason Reitman, uh, go listen to Yes, Have Some podcast, an interview they did with Jason. It'll be out or it came out on Thanksgiving Day as of as of this uh, release. But yeah, Jason talks about how it was a practical effect that it was a, a rig inside of it that. You know, oh, wow. When Gozer well, that, had her had her hands and mm-hmm. moved it, that was an right. actual practical effect tearing mm-hmm. them apart.
4: And that's and that was and that's a beautiful thing. There's a balance of, of practical and digital effects in the movie.
0: Yeah, and a lot of those digital yeah. effects, you know, if you see the same, same, we've touched on this in a previous episode, but the special effects, if you've seen them in Ghostbusters 1, those are the effects from Ghostbusters 1. Yes. They went back into the archives, pulled that footage, and then digitally brought all the special effects, visual effects from mm-hmm. Ghostbusters 1, like the big purple swirls, you know, mm-hmm. that come down mm-hmm. off the mountain or whatever. All that is just and, cleaned yeah. up Ghostbusters yeah, 1 Yeah, they
2: painstakingly effect. reproduced it. Yeah.
0: yeah. And- And the proton strings are beautiful. Oh,
2: they're gorgeous. Yeah. And hey, we we keep dancing around it, but Gozer. Oh, that was Olivia Wilde. Yes, it was. (laughs) Yeah. Me, me, and Bo are talking back and forth, and we were trying to figure out. It was like that's got to be her. It looks like her. She has a distinct look. Mm -hmm. She's got that, that. Her facial structure is is very distinct to her.
1: Yeah. And as soon
4: as I saw it, I was like, How in the world did they get Olivia Wilde to play Gozer? Can I can I talk about one bit of fan service I really wish they would have done, which they alluded. They do they do in the movie. Gozer has to have both both terror dogs be formed, and they enabled the coming of Gozer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, when one of the terror dogs gets trapped, and that's how they save uh, Callie. She's half formed. I really wish that, like, instead of her being like a whatever swirling ghost mess, rather her be to be look more. Not as not as youthful and, and strong. It'd been Slavica. I, I cannot pronounce her name correctly. It's from the original it's movie,
0: Slavica. Yeah.
4: Let her because she's a little bit older looking lady now, and I mean you know understand it. And that would have been a really cool callback to her not be mm-hmm. her, her still be gozer, but her not be the full power gozer.
2: Yeah. You know, like the the young in her prime gozer. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. Well, I'm saying like Olivia Wilde is the prime is the is the, like, the yeah. fully formed gozer, but like when she's half formed there towards the end of the movie. You know, where she's trying yeah. to get the other terror dog back. Let that be so. Sl- sl- i
1: brought. Slabica.
3: Slabica. <laughs> That's easy let for her, you to so. say. Let
4: her be the half-formed gozer, but still, but she still be gozer. You mm-hmm. know what I
1: mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: That was just like I'm. I'm glad with everything we got, but that would have been a one little bit of fan service I would have been happy with. But you know, it wasn't like the whole movie was not gracious already. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the, and the fact
2: that gozer was unlike the last time we saw gozer, gozer was actually able to come out of the gate and then sit on her <laughs>
4: throne. Yeah, Go- Gozer got a lot more screen time in this. That's one of the good yeah. things. it yeah, was, was good. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, Gozer was the big thing we were scared of the whole time in Ghostbusters, but yeah. really she was in form yeah. for, what, less than a minute it, of screen time? It, mm-hmm. Maybe and they more? were
2: debating on whether she remembered her or not, and then she starts, and then it just... The, some of the things she said, the things she did—they're like, oh yeah, no, no, no. She, yeah. she, she remembers us for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah.
3: We'll get <laughs> well, to that. Yeah, we'll yeah. get to that whole part here in just a bit too, because that's a lot to. That's kind of a lot to yeah. highlight and unravel in itself. Yeah. But uh
4: well, that's I say that's the, that's about where we're about <laughs> what about what we can all cover in the middle. All the revelations of you know. Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. And I was going to say, just going back and like I said, trying to keep us somewhat on track, but our thoughts are all over the place, just processing everything. But (laughs) (laughs) going back, you know, when when she made that phone call to Ray and of course, you know, I'm calling about Egon Spangler. You were just you were hoping for a pleasantry towards that. And what did you get? Well, Egon Spangler can rot in hell. And that got an audible gasp yeah
0: that hurt <laughs> yeah <laughs> that hurt yeah everybody in the theater went oh whoa!" because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were they were thick as thieves you know and but then when uh when phoebe fills him in mm-hmm. that you know oh well he died last week right and he's like yeah. oh and yeah. the look in dan did a really good job yeah at this part of, of showing a lot of regret for what he just said and then that's when he finally eased into well here's what happened mm-hmm. you know you learned that peter is now a as a professor, Dan is running his occult bookstore, and Ernie has made a mint, apparently, in the world of finance, which we're definitely we're going to hit on that in a minute. Um, <laughs> but you learn that the old guy split, yeah. you know, because Egon took off, left him, and according to Ray, that this firehouse is now a Starbucks, which we know <laughs> is not the case. Yeah. And
3: Ray also talks about how, you know, at the beginning, everything was great, wonderful. So many calls, you know, had All this going on, then the then the ghost calls started dropping in and And started dwindling, and and, yep,
0: yeah. So and but before they could, you know, before they could really jump in on that, you know, the phone call ends. Sheriff, Mm -hmm. who is is Lucky's dad, hung up the phone, and so Ray's got to figure all this stuff out on his own. And we naturally assume, due to events later in the movie, that he's. Putting two and two together with everything that's happening, and and uh, he's got to he's got to get a hold of Peter and Winston.
3: Mm-hmm. Of course, after that, you know, you have Phoebe who's trying to explain to Callie that you know I need you to basically you know the 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 kids have learned who their grandfather is. They've started figuring things out that he's been putting in place and what's going on in the town. They're still trying to explain this to to Callie, which she does not want to hear because it's just caused. She just knows that her father abandoned her family, his friends. For He just left everybody behind. And she still doesn't understand, you know, that there was a reason for all that. And, uh, And then, of course, it becomes clear to her later, you know, not too long after this, you know, Egon shows up to her and guides her down to the down to the, the, the egon cave the bat cave of, of, of egon's <laughs> farmhouse so <laughs> where callie sees that he wasn't there but she was always on his mind he was keeping yeah. he was keeping up with her yeah um then of course we see this is where callie gets to the point where she's possessed <laughs> yep um
0: Rizul comes after her and you know, know
3: vince has already got gruberson yeah <laughs> Leading up to what we all kind of predicted would be to come about, you know, with the whole situation with Gruberson and not yeah. seeing him any kind of flight suit or Ghostbusters related, um, that him and Callie have become the the source for possession of for the terror dogs to bring Gozer back to life.
0: You know, it, it was neat seeing both Paul Rudd and, and Carrie Coon take on the respective roles of Zul and Vince Clortho, mm-hmm. because, you know, as Rick Moranis would run around you know like the park after he was possessed and you know looking into the eyes of the horse and (laughs) are you you the gatekeeper you know uh, you see his the way he runs is the same way paul rudd runs a little bit you know paul models his run and and movement physical movements after after that because he has Mm -hmm. men's clotho yeah and And
3: also uh uh, carrie coons being callie we know when she busts out the window she's kind of has that kind of weird um Kind of weird run about her too, in a yeah. sense too. So, yeah,
0: yeah, and I love the effect where basically, yeah, the the Zool dress. She, she, yeah, you're <laughs> thinking, hey, this is PG thirteen, you know, don't be don't be ripping off your clothes in this. She takes off her, she starts ripping off her shirt, but at the same time, her clothes transform into that into that Zool dress that yeah. you know Dana Barrett wears in the first right. movie, as if something very similar, gold and orange and shimmery.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was so many callbacks yeah. to yep. to the original film. But, and and a lot of people were like, you know, hey, you know, where's Ghostbusters two in this? You know, there's the there's the the Geiga meter down in Egon's lab. You see it really quickly when the light pans over to show off his degrees to Phoebe. Mm-hmm. It's there on the the table. The toaster from Ghostbusters two is in the kitchen of the farmhouse.
3: Yeah, so, well, raise a Cult,
0: Razor Cult's there. So yeah, Ghostbusters two is there. Yeah. It's canon
3: it's just that vigo has nothing to do with the whole gozer storyline and and as it's pointed out you know they, they stopped gozer in 84 this time egon's plan was to trap gozer
0: it was to just yep. totally destroy yeah any chance so
3: and you know and, and going back to talking about how he had developed you know he created the the proton packs in the, in the cave to shoot down into the to the well you know, there it was four streams. Yep. So, to, I was like, that was his representation of the team. There's four yeah. streams. He could have put he could have put more than four there, but yeah. he stuck with four. Well,
0: maybe he knows, like in the first movie, he four finely tuned,
3: mm-hmm. right? Four
0: four is the the good frequency.
3: Well, yeah. To, yeah. to have. Yeah. It's just, I just like he, he knew
2: it, he knew it worked.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's why when you see. You know, before they transform into the terror dogs, when you see Gruberson as, you know, Vince Clortho, he's down breaking this security system that Egon has. He, mm-hmm. He's he got a big wrench in his hand and he's twisting the proton wand and yeah. it shoots and blows up one of the other packs, which, which which essentially just kills off, you know, that fourth stream and that, yeah. that weakens it and allows... And even though I know in escape. the movie
4: something bad's supposed to happen, I'm not gonna lie. It's just that, like, even though I'm like, no, don't do it. I like, <laughs> even though I know it was gonna happen, I was like, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't. Hey, uh, don't tear up a proton pack or a proton stream. Which I don't know if it was it was a full pack. I want to say it kind of wanted to be like one of the shoulder pack type things. I'm not sure. I want to see a real well lit shot. Mm-hmm. It looked like, like it was the full pack. Yeah, I don't know. It was a full. It was a full thrower. I know that for sure. Yeah,
0: and the cyclotron like, covers were not on the packs because you okay, can, you so can kinda, that might be one. You, you can kind of tell that detail. The cyclotron. Because you can see the innards of the cyclotron. Speaking like
4: speaking when- of the cyclotron, holy crap! The lights, <laughs> no longer the 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 slowly moving lights. The cyclotron now looks and sounds like a functioning nuclear reactor that fires stuff off.
0: Yeah the the movie magic caught up to the science. <laughs> That's basically why I think what it is. There's a good video with Adam Savage where he breaks open the proton pack and Ben Edy, who was, I guess the props manager for, uh, for afterlife, you know, shows how he built all those. And it's just, it's, it's on a little, a little long pole with a light bulb at the end that just, that's hooked on a pulley system mm-hmm. and it just, it swirls about. Okay. So now we've got all modifier packs. Oh yeah, This is
4: guaranteed. I'm building me an afterlife pack now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, hands down.
3: So as we start to move into, I guess the, the final, the final phase the final act yeah we we got to talk this. about the final yeah. act cuz yeah this is where it's going to yeah
0: <laughs> the, the, this is this is the bread and butter of this movie yeah uh, at least for you know everybody wanting to see the original guys
3: mm-hmm.
4: i don't back. think it's not even just a book in on the movie it's a book in on a great story in general yeah yeah
3: so you get the you get the repeat of uh you know they they go up to they go up to the temple they uh they trap uh, the the terror dog that had Callie possessed Zul. to yeah to to pull Gozer away from the mountain. This is the whole plan working itself out. And this um, is
0: where Phoebe is trying her doggone hardest to to crack Go. Well, she's killing time.
3: Yeah, yeah. She because- she's she's cracking gozer. out the dad jokes oh. and
0: just
2: keeping me in stitches. Yeah, I freaking love dad jokes, and I was rolling over laughing, <laughs> man.
0: Yeah, and podcast got the RC trap underneath. Underneath uh zool mm-hmm. and was able to break her apart. You know that was such a cool effect to see her ripped in half. See goes ripped yes. in half. That so, was such yeah, be- a cool effect. But yes, yeah, it she- would have been good to see Slovica. But so anyway, they it is basically a recreation of the the mm-hmm. the first scene where from the movie where Egon is driving back through the yep. the cornfield and back to the the farmhouse. You know they they've got the Ecto in the mind, which there is a side interest to the mind. You know it wasn't just the shaft. The, with the elevator to get down into the mine there's a side entrance which yeah. you can see in the ending credits they've got a diagram of the all mm-hmm. the tunnels and everything that lead into the mine so they've got the ecto in there they take off they take callie's mom so they get back to the farmhouse and you know basically <laughs> half gozer is walking through the cornfield and- oh gosh that is
4: such a creepy yeah. shot oh it's yeah.
0: great <laughs>
3: It's
4: really it's the, it's a the complete opposite of field of dreams of if you build it they will come.
3: Well, and, come and, for you. and you
2: know it kind of echoed the beginning.
3: Yeah, no, yeah, yeah a little it, bit. Yeah, right.
0: No, it exactly echoed the beginning. Except this time yeah. you see what's coming through the field. Mm-hmm. Well, well,
3: the first
4: time you know it, it was one of the terror dogs. This is Gozer coming after. Them. Yeah. So yeah, the stakes are even higher. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and the the power to the house still won't work. You know, very well the capacitors, which are the big grain tanks, silos, or whatever. Yeah. Which reminded me of Doc Brown when they're, yes. down, w- 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 when they're down in the lab. And they're like, wow, it, he's been down here working on a model? And you're like, oh, well, it looks great. All the detail. Yeah. It reminded me of Doc Brown building the, the, <laughs> the models. So the kids are back at the house. And they've, got, they've explained to Callie this elaborate plan that Egon had been working on that they figured out. And they, they recreate, You know, like you said, mirrors the first of the, of the movie. And the whole f- dirt field is lined with traps, and so the- Egon's goal is to get, is to break Gozer apart, get every piece, you know, get Vince, get mm-hmm. Zul, whatever he can, get him into traps. So Gozer's not just banished to another dimension; Gozer's in the ghost trap where they've got control over right him. Gozer can be a he or him, or he That's or right. she,
3: it's whatever it wants, wants to
4: be. That version of Gozer.
0: Gozer. Yeah. In, in this
2: case, it's Olivia Wilde. Yes. <laughs>
0: okay. So you know, Gozer's firing out the, out the lightning from her fingers, and and then you know, hey, flat top. They all of a sudden there are the three guys. There they are. Oh man. And you know it. See, it's hard to see that. It's not hard to see Ernie like that because Ernie doesn't age. But yes.
3: it's
0: Dan, we'd already seen, but Bill, Bill, it's hard seeing him as Peter at that age. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, and, and the guys really didn't move a whole lot. And I understand that because they
4: I think also, like, I think the lighting <laughs> for it to be that dark and detailed lighting made them look a lot older than they did. Cause I've seen, you know, you see pictures of them at the premiere and they didn't look as that. And I mean, this is yeah. two years prior to the movie being released, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it was the lighting, but they did look old. But I mean, that should have been the effect. Like, you know, yeah that was probably intentional, yeah.
2: yeah they really wanted to see like okay they're 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 definitely very, very much older,
4: and all I know is I wonder if Ducks Unlimited is getting an influence <gasps> of people buying their shirts, <laughs> thanks nah. to Ray.
0: That speech was was that oh that it's was, that was so Dan. right that every
3: everything about that being the callback to eighty four was just perfect uh, you know and and of course that? Winston I think she remembers us and it, uh,
0: oh yeah when she actually done. pulls the 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 streams oh. apart oh my gosh yeah, yes that's weird.
2: oh yeah she remembers us. <laughs>
4: And Bill just, and like I said, and and, and oh, Bill being Bill, just throwing off the, all the lines. Like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, babe, I thought we were done. You know, we are all that. And, you know, it's uh, it's that whole. He went full Vinkman. Yeah. I think, and I think that's why that movie, like this last few minutes of this movie really gets you because it gets you on that emotional high of, oh my God, the Ghostbusters are back. Even though they're yeah. old, they're
1: back.
0: <laughs> but, but we got to, we got to hit on this moment when Phoebe and, and Gozer are, are fighting it out Harry Potter style. Yes. All of a yes. sudden, you see that blue glowing hand reach yeah. under Phoebe's to steady that stream because you know she's a little girl, and
3: <laughs> yeah, but she handled it better than Melissa McCarthy. But anyway,
0: anyway, there is <laughs> as the camera as the camera pans around her and up. There's Egon.
4: That was the one thing I did not expect to see to actually see him physically represented.
0: That is, that was such yeah. a surprise. But when that blue hand showed up i'm no, like oh man. they are it's they powerful. about to they're, i'm like i'm thinking oh they're not going to show they're, they're not going to show yeah. anything but his hand maybe maybe the side of his face like they, they did at the beginning
1: mm-hmm.
0: no and it did not go uncanny valley they used cg you know on a on a live stand-in for harold Ramos, and it looked great
4: yeah, that was when the waterworks turned on, folks. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should I should not be smiling and crying at the same time, but that's what happened. There was yeah. w-
3: there was too many emotions flooding through my system at this point in time. I, yeah,
4: it, it, like it's it is powerful. I like I said, I, I said on my social media post, my six year old son, he likes Ghostbusters. He's not as abductly obsessed as I am. But, like, even he audibly went, that's Egon. And, like, mm-hmm. that tells you how powerful it is. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And, well, and
2: the fact that they didn't just do just a small effect with him. He, st- no. he
4: stuck around for a little bit. His presence is there. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. They all, like, you know, and as he's, as he's helping and the, other, and the other three guys are standing <laughs> next to him. And, you know, Winston cuts his eye. And Winston turns his head and also nudges not oh, just Peter with his arm, and they all look over and like, oh, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and what? of course, Peter later. Yeah, I knew you'd show I up.
1: Knew. Yeah, <laughs> and
2: and and he stuck around long enough that people were able to get closure. And I'm yeah.
0: yeah, and it and and the thing is with especially with Bill. Mm-hmm. Yes, Bill. I think this was closure for Bill because of that strained relationship that Harold and Bill had ever since Groundhog Day.
1: Yeah,
0: you know they they made up. Mm-hmm. in at towards the end of Harold's life but i i think this was closure for those guys too
3: of course absolutely oh, I, I mean
2: it could always it could also be like Betelgeuse, you know that they, they were they, they had to go back he had he had to stay there cuz he had unfinished business
0: yeah
4: <laughs> maybe think you were, uh this goes back to closure like one good thing i'm glad is egon did not speak and i think right. that makes yeah. the face the face look more real yes. he like, didn't need he, to that, that he was spoke perfect. with his eyes like they talked mm-hmm. to him and he like Gave a look or a nod. Yeah. And, and I think that worked. That worked better most than like the kind of the other where they took passed away actors and they spoke. It yeah. looks very unnatural. yeah.
2: Well, and because he was corporeal, you know, it, it, they, they, they didn't have to. The special effects didn't have to be like phenomenal. Like, you yeah. know, when they did a uh, Star Wars Rogue One where they brought back Tarkin yep. and mm-hmm. they did yeah. that where it had to be spot on. And even then you could still see some weirdness. Yeah. They didn't have to do that. It wasn't. It's clear. It was kind of like it was staticky a little bit. So with that, you could still look and you like, there was there was no doubting who it was. We know exactly oh, yeah, who it oh, was. Yeah,
0: yeah everything,
2: yeah. and you could
4: just read his eyes, like you said. And the guy that was like, now you're saying the ghost farmer from uh, you were talking about earlier from Sawshank is he the the living version of Egon? And then the, I think he's both. I thought it was uh, there was a younger guy. I cannot think of his name, but he looks very eerily uh, similar some guy to named her.
0: Oliver or something. But apparently, that was not him. He played some character named Elton that was cut from the movie. So, mm-hmm. I I think Bob Gunton was Egon throughout his stand-in in that whole movie. Because Bob's about that age and has a look, especially mm-hmm. around the eyes, so similar to, to Harold. Yeah. But uh, as, as we're winding down here, Violet Ramis Steele, who is you know Harold's daughter, was the second person to read the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, behind Ivan, after Jason finished, it, Jason Gill finished it, and I'm so happy that she and and the and Harold's family signed off on that because that you couldn't have asked for a better way to honor Harold. Yeah, than what they did in this movie,
3: and yeah. to see you know to see the whole the whole closure there at the end, you know him connecting with his grandkids and then with Callie and then him you know after that final hug with Callie just. Drifting off.
0: Drifting off into the stars and the big four herald
3: mm-hmm. came up on yeah. the left
0: side of the screen before the movie even ended, which is which was really yeah. it's not something you see in movies yeah. where right. a, a dedication comes while the movie's still on. And that's <laughs> that was really good. Of course the final shot was the Ecto driving back yeah. to Because Winston looked down at the car like, Oh, what have they done to you after it been beat up? To He's pieces. He's like, we're go- <laughs> we're, we're going to get you home and clean you up. Like, oh, okay, so taking the Ecto back to New York, and then you see the final shot of the movie, at least the 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 you know the normal movie pre credits was the Ecto driving back across the bridge into New York.
4: Oh man! So let, let's He's hit on these, home.
0: Let, let's hit on these uh these credit scenes. The first one mid credits couldn't have been funnier. Yeah. It, it showed Sigourney's name in the credits, and I don't know Jess looked at me and goes, "Where was Sigourney?"
3: <laughs> and then about and then, <laughs> and the next, the
0: very next thing, as soon as Sigourney's name disappears, there's there's Dana and Peter in their New York apartment. I I assume, and they've got the shock machine. She's got him hooked <laughs> up to it, and she's showing him the 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 Zenner cards, mm-hmm. and you know. He, she gets it out of him. Yeah, yeah. I, I shocked everybody, and the cards are marked. And
4: yeah, and it shocked was, only the male students. Yeah, yeah shocked knows? only the male students, which so, was very
2: obvious to anybody who watched. Oh yeah, it was like that was exactly what he was using yeah. it for it
4: was a way to
0: get dates. Right, and it's a very, uh, very inconspicuous nod that those two are now married mm-hmm. because yep. he professes her love, and they're both wearing gold wedding bands. Yeah, yep. So mm-hmm. Dana and Peter got married, which was fantastic. Yeah. But I, I before we run out of time. I want to hit that end credit scene. Oh gosh! They showed, you know, they showed the uh, the deleted scene of Janine handing him the coin, Mm -hmm. her lucky coin from the World's Fair, and next thing, and from that deleted scene, pops over to
3: current day to Janine holding
0: that same coin, and she's in an office building talking to Winston, Mm -hmm. and you hear you hear the voiceover from Winston. You know, yeah.
3: Peter had kept it cool. Yeah,
0: Peter kept it cool. Ray was the heart. Ray was the heart. Egon was the brains. And Janine's in Winston's office and goes, well, What were you? I was a sex appeal. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so true. That's. The, I don't know who said that line yeah. more, Ernie or Ernie or Winston. Oh, Ernie <laughs> said that. Ernie's a good looking
0: man. We know Ernie personally, and Ernie's always a good looking guy. He's, he's such a great guy. Love Ernie. But uh, yeah, Ernie starts talking about. You know what what he's been able to do for himself you know he talked ernie is is running this massive global corporation we don't know what it is but he's he very keeps th-
3: saying ernie. It it's winston, winston.
0: <laughs> it's because i know ernie I personally know,
3: right <laughs> so
0: <laughs> yeah it, it's 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 winston running this big global corporation and he's he's talking about he helped uh, egon keep the lights on He's, he's helping Ray in the bookstore. You know, Ray will eventually, you know, Ray will eventually turn a profit mm-hmm. on the store. You know, and he talks about building his company and what he's been able to do. And in, while he's talking, it shows the firehouse inside the firehouse, old, abandoned, which means it was not a Starbucks. Ray's memory is always yeah. not that great anyway.
3: <laughs> or he just doesn't go around that area anymore. He has yeah. no clue what's there. <laughs>
0: And they show Winston in the firehouse opening the doors. The ecto's rolling into the Mm -hmm. firehouse, and he's looking around. So you naturally know that Winston has bought the firehouse. Yeah. But then the one, what, what's that?
4: I'm sorry. I want to make one observation. Uh, Winston talks about he started that company with one employee. I I saw where somebody. You think it's Lewis? Yeah, I think it's Lewis too. I would love it.
0: So Mm -hmm. I I think hopefully they can get Rick Moranis back into the universe. Yes. (laughs) In in the sequel, and we know there's going to be a sequel because Ernie. Winston, <laughs> Winston has that line that you know. Seeing e, seeing Egon got the tears out of me, but Winston's line, the last line of the oh, movie, yes. got me so hard because we, as Ghostbusters fans, we we put the suits on, we we build the packs, we we're, you know, it means something to us. Mm-hmm. But he goes, you know, I've always been a business, or I'm a
3: businessman. I'm
0: a businessman, but I've always been a Ghostbuster. Mm-hmm. That line drove me to tears all four times I saw it. Yep. Yep. And the last shot of the movie, of okay. the post-credits scene, is the bottom of the containment unit, all cobwebbed up and rusty and nasty looking. Pans up the blinking red light
1: mm-hmm.
0: on top of the containment unit. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. There's going
0: to be sequels, and this opens yep. up so many possibilities. The, the The sequel world is now wide open, but Jason, in his interview with Craig, Abby, and Jake, he said that, you know, Ernie had kind of gotten the shaft a little bit. Well, mm-hmm. not, not a little bit. He said a lot <laughs> with promotions and placement in the movie and stuff because the other three guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he said his vision for the future of Ghostbusters is Winston yeah. and Ernie. Oh.
3: Winston, like I said, he's become the Bruce Wayne.
0: The bat- uh, uh, yeah, of the-, the
3: Ghostbusters universe, he's the benefactor. Where he's, uh- e- where
0: Egon was Batman with <laughs> all the poles and stuff he installed. <laughs> you well, know.
3: I mean, we, we think, think so. the Lucius Fox. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, we, we, we based on based on what he said, we assume that's the way it's going to be.
3: Well,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, because. But the, be the door is there. But that, that's yeah. that's why he envisioned.
3: And that's why I like to think, too, that that he had a hand in assisting Egon. Maybe Egon didn't know this or wasn't aware. But I think yeah. Winston's been behind this. The support of his friends this whole time. Yeah. Um, and I did like the fact that it ended with Janine and Winston talking together, being that, you know, the first person Winston met. Be- upon becoming, you know, the Ghostbusters is is interviewing with Janine. So yeah. seeing the yeah. two of them together in that and, scene, and was- that's
0: where my my thoughts earlier mm-hmm. is: where is Janine currently? Is she in New York?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Is she working for? I don't think she's working for Winston. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah, she's because she's kind of she's kinda learning about that yeah. as we do. Yeah. So.
3: But I think they've been, they've definitely been in communication.
0: Yeah. So well. <sighs> There's a lot we could touch oh on. Oh my gosh! I mean, we could re- recap the movie and everything else in in depth. But you guys, if you've listened to this, hopefully that means you've seen it, because we just boiled everything, um, mm-hmm. almost everything. You know, we we spoiled the big ones at least. Mm-hmm. But there, there's so many good things in this movie, and so thrilled, and I think you said a sixty million dollar opening weekend worldwide, which is fantastic. Yeah. And um, you know, this movie. I don't think you could have asked for a better movie. I agree. Ghostbusters movie. This was this was beautiful. This was the biggest love letter to Harold Ramis and to the, the fans that that I think you could have had.
3: It's been worth the wait. It really has.
0: Yeah. 32 years. And I hope there's not <laughs> 32 more because I'll be <laughs> dead. Um, well, at least <laughs> I'll be, you know, Bill's age. Um <laughs> <laughs> then
3: again i just say I just keep saying thank you jason reitman
0: yeah thank you jason reitman
4: yeah i know all the guys ghost corp eric mm-hmm. and all them they mm-hmm. they've given us a special gift that i it's it's better than i could have imagined
0: yeah
3: thank you for bringing our guys back together
0: yeah, yeah. and th- this could be the final ride for for bill and dan Mm-hmm. And that's that's and, perfectly fine. and yeah. that, that's okay. This was the send off they need, you know. Exactly. hopefully Hopefully, Bill's going to the farmhouse, <laughs> getting his cocoa with a hint of whiskey in it, like I said. <laughs> so, um, but hopefully it's not. Uh, I'm really hoping it's not the last for Ernie, because they they have they have opened up such a good door. At least in the next se- in the sequel, they've opened up the good door for Ernie, for Winston. I, I know, <laughs> for Winston to to no, make it all happen.
4: Yeah. Ernie and Winston are the same guy. I don't they you are. You can't tell me any different. They're all the same guys. Every
0: one of them. The Ghostbusters are not Dan, Peter, and and Winston are not characters. They're the actual guys.
3: <laughs> and who knows? Over the next couple of weeks, when we record, we may we may still touch little bits here and there. Oh,
0: we will. We but, will. We're we're going to be talking about this for ages. Yeah. This was mm-hmm. such a great movie. Yeah, because I'm going to see it probably at least five or six more times before we record <laughs> oh, again. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We yeah, got
3: yeah. a couple more viewings in us too. So. Yep.
0: So. Well, closing thoughts, guys. Any any last thoughts on Ghostbusters Afterlife?
3: My heart is just so happy and full of joy.
0: And you just yes, have some.
3: And 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 I I shed tears of Niagara Falls coming out of my face there. <laughs> and you yeah, had your it-
0: Ecto popcorn buckets from AMC.
4: That's
3: right. Got the <laughs> buckets.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's it's tears, a river of tears, every time I watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, like, yeah. it's it's. it's uh,
0: Cannot wait for it to hit. Hit Blu-ray and everything else, but at the same time, yep. I really am going to yep. miss that sound in the theaters of the. <laughs> hey, the, we we the, got the enough temple. time. you
3: just
4: sound system by the time it drops.
0: <laughs> we have enough time, but I don't have enough money.
3: That's true. And let's That's- let's let's just hope for all kind of goodies in the Blu-ray release and and extra scenes, deleted scenes, mm-hmm. commentary, all that that'll come with it. Yeah. So
0: well, thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Bama Geeks. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion on Ghostbusters Afterlife. We hope you enjoyed Ghostbusters Afterlife. We adored it, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. And there's so much more to talk about, but this is where we'll wrap it up. We just wanted to give some cursory thoughts on it. I uh, didn't want to give a recap because you should have seen it by now. I know all of our friends have. So, But we'll wrap it up and hope you guys uh, will join us for the next episode.
3: Good night, everyone. Or goodbye. Good night. night. Bye.